to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. And once in a while, we like to talk about cruising on the podcast. So a bit later, we're going to catch up with the cruise guru himself, David Yeskel, about his recent experience on board Holland America's new Staten Dam. Plus, we'll head to North Carolina, a place where there's a surprising number of things to see and do. But I want to start out by talking about a survey from the Travel Health Insurance Association of Canada that shows just how much Canadians are confused over the coverage of travel insurance. Now, to help us sort it all out, we are joined now by Brad Dance. He is the president of Thea's executive board, Thea being the Travel Health Insurance Association. Hi, Brad. Hi, Randy. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. We're going to talk about this uh, recent study by Thea, the Travel Health Insurance Association. Uh, let's start with this stat. 13% are unsure that they have travel insurance. I think that's a little bit kind of low. That's surprising to me anyway. But where does the confusion come from, you think? Well, I think the confusion comes from a couple of different areas. Um, you know, there, there are coverages available under credit cards. Um, there are coverages included within employee benefit plans um, from your employer. Uh, there's standalone travel insurance available to purchase, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and I think people are just uh, just a little unsure of, of what, in fact, they may or may not have. And clearly, that came through in the survey. Um, yeah, it's a 13%. It could possibly be a little bit low, um, but um, you know, it's it's definitely uh, definitely a concern. Well, we harp on this uh, all the time on my show uh, about the importance of travel insurance. Are you seeing more and more Canadians uh, get travel insurance, or is it still one of those things that people think that, uh, well, we have a provincial health insurance plan, that's going to cover it, and that's where a lot of confusion comes in, right? Absolutely. That, that same survey, I think it was 35% of Canadians still believe that their provincial health insurance plan will, will cover them while traveling outside of, uh, outside of Canada. And uh, that's, that's very much incorrect. Uh, yes, the provincial health plans will pay a very small percentage, somewhere in the range of, of 5% for, uh, for claims that do occur outside of Canada. Um, you know, when, you, when you're looking at a, oh, a broken leg or something on a, on a vacation in, in California that's going to set you back forty to 50,000 U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a pretty small, uh, small percentage of that claim that, that would be paid by the, uh, by the provincial plans. Mm-hmm. And then getting back to this survey now, too, uh, some more confusion, it seems, that 17, 17% are unaware of what their policy even covers, so they're not even sure if they're covered for that that broken leg. <laughs> so how do, what are people, what should they be doing? Well, you know what, we, we at CIA have, have developed uh, what, what we call the golden rules of, uh, of travel insurance. And, and these are things that, uh, that all consumers should, should be aware of when, when purchasing travel insurance. And, and first and foremost, and, and you just uh, hit the nail on the head, is understand your travel insurance policy. All, all of the insurance providers do have staff that, that are available to answer any questions that you may have related to, to policies you're, you've purchased or are contemplating purchasing. Uh, know your trip. Um, it, that's, a, that's another critical aspect. How long are you going to be gone? You want to make sure you have the right number of days coverage. 
will you be traveling many times during the year, in which case it may make sense to, to purchase an annual policy as opposed to a single trip policy? Mm-hmm. Do you plan to scuba dive? There are, of course, exclusions under travel insurance policy. So you, you really need to know what it is you're going to be doing during your trip and find a policy that's specifically tailored to that trip. Um, your health is critically important. You, you need to know your health when, when purchasing travel insurance. And if you're unsure of things, if you're unsure of your conditions, if you're unsure of your medications, check with, uh, check with your health care provider, check with your physician. Um, we also recently introduced uh, in Thea the, uh, the Bill of Rights and Responsibilities. And what that is, is that, that that's something that uh, everyone should be aware of what rights they have within their travel insurance policies, but also equally incumbent is the responsibilities that you have when, when applying for travel insurance. So, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, to get the message out there, uh, the, the importance of travel insurance, what the ramifications are if you're traveling without it. Um, it as we talked about a, a minute or two ago, it can be extremely costly. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned outside the country. I would even say outside the province uh, yes. because it, it, different provincial uh, coverages are, are for different things when you're traveling too, right? A- absolutely. There, there are differences between the provincial provincial health plans. What, one of the things that, that immediately pops to mind is, uh, is ambulance services. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's something that, uh, that may not be covered under your uh, provincial health plan if you require an ambulance in another province. So what I'm hearing is ask questions, and if you have uh, other questions, uh, the Travel Health Insurance Association is there to help as well, right? Absolutely. And you can find uh, lots of informa- information on the Thea Online uh, or the Thea website, uh, theaonline.com. That's the Travel Health Insurance Association. And Brad Dance is the president of Thea. Uh, thanks for your insight, uh, Brad. Appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. Have a good day. Well, I still say that one of the best vacations you can have is taking a cruise. And whenever we talk about cruises, we like to invite David Yeskel to join us and give us his insight. He's otherwise known as the Cruise Guru. You can follow him on Twitter, at Cruise Guru. And David recently took a voyage on Holland America's new Staten Dam, and he's here to tell us more about it. Hi, David. Hi, Randy. So, uh, full disclosure here, uh, I am a former cruise member on Holland America. I think you know that. I love their ships. I'm a bit of a Holland America snob, as I, as I like to say. And I remember what the old Staten Dam was like. I would imagine the new Staten Dam is nothing like the old one, is it? No, no, it isn't. It's uh, quite a departure from the old Staten Dam. So, you know, this is uh, the second in a new class of ships from Holland America. This is the pinnacle class. I first talked to you about the Koenigsdam a couple of years ago when mm. that ship was launched. This is a sister ship to the Koenigsdam. So it's got a, a lighter colors, airier spaces, um, different, very different from the older Holland America ships that had the dark woods. It's lighter, brighter. You know, it's not, it's not too radical of a departure from the older ships so that it's going to turn off. Um, existing long-time Holland America clientele, mm-hmm. but it's enough of a change, enough of a modernization to really attract uh, new people and younger people to the line. 
So your the title of your uh, article on tours.com, by the way, is Hal's New Staten Dam Raises the Bar on Premium Cruising. So how did they raise the bar, and actually, how, how high did they raise it? So uh, I think they raised it pretty high, actually. You know, they're in this niche, uh, the premium cruise niche, with celebrity and princess, pretty much. Those three lines compete in what's called the premium niche of cruising. And so what Holland America has done with these new ships and by retrofitting some of their older ships is to really create a focus in three areas, cuisine, destination, and entertainment. And they've really honed in on these three areas and improved them to, uh, to this incredible extent that, that they're, they're, there's great experiences in all three. So I'll give you an example, say, with destinations. So they've created a new area on board. It was the old crow's nest, if you remember, up on top of the ship. I do, yeah. That's now called EXC Exploration Central. So there's still a bar up there, but but they have the shore excursion desk is located there, a lecture area for destination lectures, um, these interactive kiosks for port information. So you can you can delve down and drill down into into ports and what's available there on your own using these kiosks. And 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 I think the best part of this new EXC area is the location guide. So this is a destination expert who's available to help and guide passengers who are looking to do maybe explore a port independently or more in depth. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to buy anything from them. They're not selling anything. They're just providing you for informa- with information. So say you wanted to find a great beach in a Caribbean port you're at, and you've heard about this beach, didn't know how to get there, the location guide would give you directions and tell you what you need to know, how to get there. Um, uh, alternatively, say you're looking for a place for lunch, right, somewhere in port, uh, in an exotic port. The location guide will tell you where to go, uh, ask you about what your likes and dislikes are. So it's like having a concierge, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. having a concierge specifically focused on each destination. And I think that provides a great value to passengers who want to explore independently. Well, yeah, and if you've never been to these destinations, it's nice to have someone kind of hold your hand a little bit or give you some direction, right? Exactly right. So you can buy a shore excursion from the shore excursion desk Mm -hmm. after listening to the destination lectures, or you can go to the location guide who will provide you with in-depth, independent advice, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, speaking of destinations, where did you go on this particular cruise? So this was just a four-day inaugural. Um, this was the first sailing from Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. It was to the line's uh, private island, Half Moon Key, uh, which, by the way, has consistently been rated the top private island in the industry. Cruise- cruisers vote on these private islands in different mm-hmm. surveys. It's just a great private island. It's 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 serene. The beach is this perfect crescent of white sand, crystal clear water. Um, it's not a crazy loud party going on there, so it's really relaxing, and it's just you and your shipmates there, you know, on this idyllic island just for the day. Mm-hmm. I've been there many times, and you're absolutely right. It is gorgeous, and I can see why it's rated number one all the time. It's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what they've also done is focused on entertainment. They started this a few years ago. But they've really ramped it up now. So, and, and, and Hall of America now has what I consider to be the best live music at sea. So in order to do this, um, the line partnered with these prestigious organizations, B.B. King's Blues Club for a blues soul and club, Lincoln Center Stage for classical music, and Billboard on Board for like top hits of, of the last 40 years. They have mm-hmm. a, a couple of pianists doing those. And on the newer two ships, they just introduced Rolling Stone Rock Room, 
So they have this great band kicking out covers of of rock hits from from over the years. And these four venues are great. They're all located in one general area, and the times are staggered. So you can go listen to one and then go to the next one. So you can catch all four shows, essentially, in one night if you want to. But it's really the the level of talent that that are in these clubs that makes them stand above their competitors. So these are these musicians are really consummate pros. Like for instance, for BB King's BB King's organization in Memphis vets these these musicians. They're sessions players in recording studios. So they're they're great they're great musicians. And the the the, the act in each of these venues is so far above the level of talent you see on other cruise ships and lounge acts that it really makes this music walk venue with all these these music destinations a, a great entertainment area at night for, for passengers. Nice. So tell me about the cabins. I know there's always a wide variety depending on your, your budget and those types of things, but uh, what impressed you about those? Yeah, so the cabins are very modern design. The bathrooms are a little larger than you know previous uh, iterations on other cruises. So they're very comfortable. So you remember the old uh, the old shower with the shower curtain that attacked you <laughs> when you turned it on? <laughs> remember those? Yes. <laughs> so the shower curtains are gone. It's now a glass enclosure. It's now nice. a door that kind of folds around. So it's there's a lot of room in the shower. Good lighting. Very modern design. You know they've they've figured out even more ways to to really make the cabin the storage uh, more practical. So you have more storage areas. Captains, the, the cabins are a very good size on board. Um, and, of course, you know, the majority are, are balcony cabins with, with very nice-sized balconies. Mm-hmm. So it's a very comfortable ship. Um, it's, it's really classy. doesn't feel too big. About 2,600 passengers, which uh, now is considered a mid-sized ship. You know, in the old days, that was a mega ship. Mm-hmm. Now it's mid-sized. But I think it's just the right size. I think it's a great new, um, great new product for Holland America. They, these two ships, the Koenigsdam and the New Stottenham, are really kind of setting the tone for the Holland America line of the future, and, and it's attracting a lot of new people to cruising. Mm-hmm. Uh, food was always a, a big deal on, well, any cruise ship, but uh, Holland America seemed to always have a little bit above uh, some of the cr- other cruise lines when it came yeah. to the food, right? And they've they've actually ramped that up even more. So their their master chef Rudy Soderman, who I've talked to many times, I've interviewed him, I've written about him, is a real talent. So he directs their culinary program, and the specialty restaurants are really great now. Tamarind is the Asian restaurant. Pinnacle Grill has a totally updated menu, um, and between Rudy Soderman and their culinary council, this group of five celebrity chefs that they have, they've designed really innovative new modern dishes for all the culinary and dining venues aboard. So the menus are all new. Um, it's really modern cuisine, and it's, it's a very high quality. And, and their Lido Market, by the way, mm-hmm. which is the, the casual, uh, some people still call it a buffet. It's really more than that. It's like, it's like an upscale food court and with great action stations. I think that's also the best in the industry in terms of casual dining, and it's available for all three meals, of course, um, if you'd like to go there. Perfect. Uh, he is the cruise guru, David Yesko. I uh, always enjoy chatting with you, David. Uh, you can find his article, Hal's New Staten Dam Raises the Bar on Premium Cruising at Tours.com, or you can follow uh, David on Twitter at Cruise Guru. Uh, thanks for your insights. Uh, you always make me want to go on a cruise after I talk to you. So. Thanks, Randy. Great talking to you. <laughs>
Well, if you're looking for a bit of a different place to visit in the United States, why not try North Carolina? It's a place where there's a surprising number of things to see and do. So joining us now to tell us more about North Carolina is Whit Tuttle. He is the director of Visit North Carolina. The website is visitnc.com. Hi, Whit. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, when I think of North Carolina... The first city that comes to mind is Charlotte, North Carolina, because I spent a day there and it was a lot of fun. But there's much more to explore uh, in North Carolina just by looking at your website, visitnc.com. But I would think Charlotte would be a good place to start, right? Charlotte's a great place to start, particularly if you're flying in. You know, um, we have a lot of air service into Charlotte. It's the biggest city in the state. It's got our, our football team and our professional basketball team. Uh, so there's a lot of great things happening in Charlotte. And really, it's a, it gives you quick access up into the Appalachian Mountains, uh, or you can head across uh, the state and, and wind up in the coast. Uh, and again, there's a lot. We only have about 10 minutes, so we'll try to cover as much as we can do here. But I guess uh, when you're planning a visit, uh, your website, visitnc.com, is a, is a good place to sort of get an idea of what you might want to do and see, right? Yeah, exactly. We have a lot of itineraries on there. We have suggested things to do and see. You know, it's a huge state, and it, there's real variety. If you if you want a mountain experience, we've got the, the edge of the Appalachian Mountains. There's a road called the Blue Ridge Parkway, which goes 250 miles. It's built on top of the mountain. It's actually a national park site with 200 overlooks. Um, so, you know, you can get that mountain experience uh, uh, of the Appalachian Mountains, the culture, the music, mountain music, that kind of stuff. You know, or you can head across to the coast and, and go to the place where the Wright brothers had the first flight at Kitty Hawk on the Outer Banks in the Cape Hatteras National Seashore, and you can go down to where Blackbeard the Pirate was killed on Ocracoke Island and, and get this wild, um, you know, out there beach experience, uh, really undeveloped wild beaches. Mm-hmm. And, of course, history. I'm a uh, big uh, Civil War history buff. There's lots uh, to see and do about that, too, isn't there? Oh, there's tremendous uh, Civil War history throughout the state. Uh, you know, uh, we had the largest troop surrender of the Civil War was actually in Durham, North Carolina. Everybody knows Appomattox is where Lee surrendered, but he really only surrendered his army in northern Virginia. The real end of the war came when uh, when General Johnson surrendered to Sherman in Durham, North Carolina. So, you know, we've got that. We've got Revolutionary War history, just a little bit, little bit of everything you could, you could want here. You probably want to stay like a month or two to... To get it all in, wouldn't you? <laughs> you, you? It's a big state, 543 miles wide. So, yeah, you, you might want to stay a while, particularly if you're coming a long way from, you know, from Western Canada. Mm-hmm. So is renting a car a good option? Is that one of the best things kind of do to, to get yourself around? Or are there uh, other ways uh, to get around? Yeah, really, I would recommend renting a car. You know, we're uh, the American South. We like to spread out and uh, and drive everywhere. So, you know, you can drive through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It's in a great drive, the Blue Ridge Parkway. There's lots of places to get out and hike or, or take a walk, do shoot some photos. Uh, we have a lot of great soft adventure throughout the state, but, but you really need the car to access those, those really kind of neat out-of-the-way places. Mm-hmm. Well, in springtime, I imagine, uh, not so much here yet, but uh, the gardens, <laughs> the flowers, uh, that's uh, a good time of year if you're, you're into that kind of thing. Now or in the, in the coming months, April and May, it's probably a good time to visit to get uh, a real taste of, of, of springtime there, right? Oh, yeah. Spring is amazing here. The, the foliage, the flowers... You know, a lot of people come in the fall because the mountains, we have the fall color with the leaves turning colors. But we get this real explosion of color in the spring as well, which is a, a neat experience, and particularly coming out of a long winter. 
you know, it's great to see all that color and just and just get out in the warm sunshine. And we got some great things going on too. We've got a, a brand new museum, a Mustang Owners Museum, opening this spring. So that'll be an exciting thing to see. It's in Concord, just outside of Charlotte. Nice. And a lot of festivals in and around the state. Can you touch on some of those that are going on? Oh, yeah, there's great festivals. You know, we have a big craft beer culture here in North Carolina, Most craft, the most craft beers of any state in the South. We've got a new festival in Charlotte coming up in May called the Untapped Beer Festival with more than 100 breweries there. Uh, we've got a lot of great food here from barbecue to, you know, great southern cooking uh, out in Asheville in the mountains, they're going to have a, a, a new food festival called Chow Chow in September. Uh, you know, so a lot of things going on. We also host the the International Bluegrass Music Association's World of Bluegrass Festival in Raleigh in September. So if you like that mountain music, it's a great time to come and experience that. Hmm. Uh, well, okay. Uh, if I'm planning a week or so, and you touched on a, a lot of things. Uh, what are some of the things you would like to show uh, the people if, they, if you're their tour guide? What would be uh, some of the, the highlights? Oh, I would go with the national parks. I would have them drink some moonshine. Have you ever drank moonshine? <laughs> no, I can't say that I have. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's why we have NASCAR. Um, and you can learn about that in the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte. Uh, the sport was actually started by guys who would run moonshine, and decided to start racing each other. Really? Um, yeah. So, so a, a lot of moonshine is now legal. We've got a bunch of craft distilleries that are open up. So you should, you should really come and try some moonshine. Mm-hmm. And and there's another great site to go to to if you want to see some unique and distinct things about North Carolina. It's called Project543.com. Okay. And that's 543 things you can only do and see in North Carolina. Things that are unique to the state. It's 543 of them because there's one for every mile. <laughs> so well, obviously we don't have time for 543, but touch on uh, a couple of them, three or, three or four of them. No, I'll tell you. Well, one of my my favorite things is, is a little island called Ocracoke Island, and it's the island where Blackbeard the pirate was killed. Okay. Uh, you can get out there today. Now, you have to take a ferry to get out there because it's, it's not attached to the mainland. It's about 20 miles out into the ocean. Uh, it has a beach that was named America's number one beach by this guy, Dr. Beach, who rates beaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the people out there are so isolated that the, the locals still speak with what's called the Ocracoke Brogue which is kind of this old English kind of accent, uh, which is a really neat thing to hear. It's just one of those great experiences you can get where, where you're just taken away to a completely another, another place. Is that something you would have to do on your own, or are there actual tours that would take you out there? Uh, you have to get out there on your own. There's a car ferry that can take you out there, and they're opening up a passenger ferry this year uh, that leaves from the Outer Banks uh, that you can take and just go for the day because the, the entire island's only about 10 miles long, and it's about a quarter of a mile wide. Uh, and the and the villages in the in the southern quarter of it, um, so it's a really walkable experience. So so you can get out there just uh, just with it with with your car or take the passenger ferry out there and walk around for the day. It's a great spot for a day trip, or to go and spend a week. Mm-hmm. Well, you touched on craft beer and moonshine. What about uh, some of the the foods that I should be trying there? Oh well, you definitely want to try some barbecue. Um, and if you if you look on visitnc.com, our site, there's a North Carolina Barbecue Society has the historic barbecue trail, uh, and that's 20 different restaurants that have been in business for at least 15 years, and they still cook on on wood. They don't use gas. Um, so that's a really good experience. You know, we talked about the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another war that's been going on for a couple hundred years in North Carolina that's still being fought, and it's the barbecue war. And that's because eastern North Carolina believes that barbecue should have 
vinegar in the sauce, mostly <laughs> vinegar, and it should be whole hog barbecue. And the western part of the state thinks there should be tomato in the sauce and that it should be just the shoulders. <laughs> so when you get here, you can decide which side of the line you want to be on and, and join the barbecue war. Uh, anything else that I, uh, I missed that it would be a highlight, uh, a must-see kind of thing? You know, I, 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 I wouldn't want to go away without talking about one of our biggest attractions. It's a place called the Biltmore Estate mm-hmm. in Asheville, North Carolina. It's America's largest private home, more than 250 rooms. Uh, it was built by the Vanderbilts as a summer residence. And it's just an amazing place to see, to see, you know, how American uh, entrepreneurs spent their money and, and how they built the place. It's just this amazing um, French chateau, and they have a lot of special events. They have flower events in the spring, great events in the fall, always something going on at Biltmore. Can you actually stay there, or is it sort of like a museum now? You can stay on site. The estate, the house itself is actually sort of a museum, uh, but they have two beautiful properties there on site. Uh, it's about 12,000 acres, the entire site. So there's plenty of stuff you can do from horseback and carriage rides to even, uh, you know, testing out uh, SUVs. Well, it sounds like a fun state to visit, uh, North Carolina. You can find out more on the website visitnc.com. And Whit Tuttle is the director of Visit North Carolina. We could talk probably for hours, uh, Whit, but uh, time is our enemy here. <laughs> so people will just have to visit your website and, and go and visit North Carolina, right? Exactly. We'd love for them to do that, Randy. And you got to come down, too. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.